0: professional hockey teams and high five have an interesting connection we've had the privilege of working with several different teams in multiple different countries and in this episode you're going to be hearing a discussion between myself jim grout our founding director and also jeff ward Jeff has served in several different coaching roles with several different teams that we have worked with, and this is a conversation between the three of us talking about the connection between adventure and experiential education and professional hockey teams. Hopefully, you enjoy the behind-scenes conversation about our work with those teams, and thank you for listening.
1: It's kind of interesting. I just sent Jeff something that's going to be in our ten-year vision. We reflected back on 2010 when we first we first met, and it's been a connection through four different teams and two different country or three different countries now, with you know, including Canada. Each time the focus has been slightly different, but it's uh, it it's been quite a lot of fun doing the work that we've we've done together. I remember the first day, uh, I guess you and Max Offenberger, he uh, called and. Uh, it was after the Bruins had lost in June to the Flyers in that series, four straight games, and uh, I got a call from a friend that said, "Hey, a buddy of mine's going to call you tomorrow." This is a guy who used to be on our board of directors, and he says a guy named Max Offenberger is going to give you a call. And I thought he was kidding. I said, "Sure, yeah, the Bruins are calling us." Because he always would kid around. He goes, "No, no, I'm serious." I shirt up the phone rang the next day, and it was both you and and Max, and we talked, and you guys came up to high five a few days later, and made some plans, and then met with the coaches. At that meeting with 10 of us in that little tiny room down in clothes office there one day no? it was a smiley group <laughs> <laughs> uh, no and then it's just it's been in you know an, un, an unbelievable relationship and friendship and what we've done together all these years i always kid around that uh, just about every july or june i'm up in maine i'm walking into a fish store which is what happened this year my phone rings and I see it's Jeff Warren. And I said, I think we're going to Calgary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure enough, he said, hey, we were thinking of and you come up to Calgary. Almost every year, there's been something like that. You know, the year with the Devils, you came up to Portland met at some coffee shop. It's been a great thing, but I think we've got a lot of connection around leadership and, and how do we develop people. You know, Max always loved to say, you know, we're making better people who become better hockey players. And I, I always loved that quote, you know. You know, just that the whole Approach from an educational point of view and working with people individually, I thought it was fascinating when you took over the Flames. You said the first two weeks you spent talking with each player individually, and so the guy asked you what what you talk about, and you said anything but hockey. Just kind of connect with the <laughs> people. I think that's where a lot of the connection comes with the kinds of work we do too. So,
0: so Jeff, what was your first interaction with us in in that meeting? Like, what was your perception of High Five? What were you expecting?
2: Oh, i didn't I didn't have much of a perception of what high five was was going to be about. I had just gone on the recommendation of Maxi, you know we were looking to do something to solidify our leadership group and really sort of do something, you know with the leadership stemming from our leadership group. and Maxi had recommended high five and, and thought that it would be a a real solid relationship for us in order to develop that. So, We went up and had the first meeting, and I came away really impressed because I felt that, you know, the program that we could put together and the program that we were talking about uh, was going to be really, really beneficial for our team. Uh, And it certainly proved to be that. And when you look at the Bruins now today, I think they're still reaping the benefits of, you know, the years that uh, we worked with High Five in order to develop that leadership core and how that extended back through the whole team. And, you know, they're still 10 years later reaping the benefits of that strong leadership core. And you see, you know, you see what they're doing in the league today. So, um, that really hit home with me in terms of how impactful the program was. And so I've made sure in every other stop that I've been on that, uh, you know, like Jim said, I've made the call to him at the fish store every July and made sure that, uh, you know, we're starting to plan something for our training camp just to get our team off on the, on the proper foot.
0: As you've learned about what we do and adventure education, experiential education, now that you know what it looks like and feels like, can you think back on your past and, and, and identify a moment that you might have experienced this outside of maybe the work that we've done with you?
2: Yeah. I mean, the first time I really uh, saw experiential venture education was in high school. We did it as a block in physical education. And I thought it really uh, stuck with me in terms of how connected I became to people that I had to work with very quickly, Mm -hmm. people that I didn't necessarily know other than just being in the class with them. And I really came away with that. And, And off of that, you know, we would play on the same teams and things, you know, during high school. And I just felt like it was a really good way to connect with people. And I always felt like through those connections, we had much stronger teams, you know, through my high school years. And I really felt like that, you know, getting to know people, uh, having to trust people really got us off on a lot stronger footing when we needed to, you know, do things in a team environment, because even though it was for a short period of time, we got to trust each other. You know, I I really found that impactful for me as as a future teacher and at that point an athlete in terms of, you know, how I needed to interact with my teammates in order to be successful. When you started teaching, did you start to incorporate some of that stuff into your teaching
0: as well as your coaching that you do now, Were you were you already using connection as a tool to help
2: teams? Connection has always been a big thing with me. And I, you know, I think, I really believe it's the number one thing in, in having successful teams is the team has to be connected. If those connections don't happen, then I don't think anything else on your team works. When I started teaching high school and in the teams I coached, I always tried to develop those connections. And through just generally, you know, through the school population, people taking physical education, we always had a component of it in our outdoor education blocks where we were able to, you know, put kids through those experiences where they had to depend on other people and they had to come up with solutions to problems. And, you know, they had to do it in a fun environment where they were being active. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, that part of it has a huge impact. I think if you just sit down and you were to do it in a classroom just through conversation. I don't think it would be as impactful. Uh, having to go out and do it and actually experiencing is the is the key thing for me in order to in order to make it stick. Yeah, we tend to find sometimes even when we're working with groups that there's
0: hesitancy to play, hesitancy to have fun in in the experience. And so I do a workshop called the Power of Play, which talks about some of the science behind it, the reasons why we do it, and I think that reaction, the connection between using it as connection and also interacting and in, in, in play is very helpful. I I recently, you know, I saw in some of the coaching you were doing with the flames that you were just bringing games into the training sessions, which, you know, just as a way to engage people suddenly changes the dynamic, I think, of a learning when there's through the medium of play.
2: Oh, Um, for sure. I mean, uh, the, the play stuff is so important. It allows you to let your barriers down, have fun. I just think a lot more things happen in a fun environment. And so we always do a lot of things you know, with our practices still everywhere I've ever been, where I've been the head coach, just in terms of playing a game every day at the end of practice. There's a lot of good things you can get from it. Uh, the team certainly enjoys it. They have fun with it, but they're working as well. And sometimes they don't understand how hard they're working, And you know, while they're playing the games. There's a lot of carryover for us, not just from a fun standpoint, but also from things that we want to accomplish in practice that we can do through play. And I always and I always think when we get together with you guys, that first component of play, you know, the, the games that we play, it's it's so important in terms of guys just letting their guard down mm-hmm. naturally and opening themselves up to the the stuff that's going to come afterwards. I think it's such a huge component of it. And for us to really make connections with our teams, we feel like, you know, the play component of our practices allows us to do that. You know, the guys have fun. They get on each other a little bit. They, you know, it really, really helps us in terms of our players connecting. And, we, you know, we use that as an important part of everything that, uh, you know, we do in terms of building our culture.
1: One of the, the things we've always done, when Jeff, he'll give us, or say, give me some names to talk to. So we want to talk to players before, so whether it was the the Devils or the Flames or the Bruins or the or Manheim Eagles. So there'll be four or five people to call ahead of time. And the guys are great. They really take it seriously. And that's everybody from a, a Char and a Bergeron to Giordano and all, all the different people in between. But every one of them almost will say at the end of the call. So they give you all the serious stuff, and they and they always say, "But well, this is going to be fun, And not it?"
2: <laughs> they want to make sure
1: we're not going to you know nail them down too seriously. So I said, no, no, this is going to be fun. We're just trying to get your read on the on the team. But yeah, there will be a lot of fun. And I think Luch at Luch this year, he pretty much said that in his opening statement. You know, hey, this is good stuff. Pay attention. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and he probably passed that around long before we even arrived in in Calgary.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's the, the timing of it sometimes, you know, isn't the best. We've always kind of done it towards the end of training camp when we get down to our teams. I think at that point, the guys are feeling a little bit tired. So the fun factor for them is huge. And, you know, our goal from the whole thing is exactly that to have fun, come up with the connections, and the trust and the covenant that we always draw out of, you know, the, the end of the experience. But, you know, we want those things to be in place, but at the same point in time, we're trying to get our players where they're, they're not tired coming out of, you know, the end of a training camp. So I think the things that, that we do and the elements always haven't been agreeable with us, but, you know, the guys tough it out and everybody toughs it out. At the end of the day, I mean, they still talk about it. You know, we still, we draw on that. You know, we'll show things, guys up in the trees and doing things and, you know, they they connect with that. It brings back, you know, you see the smiles on their faces. As soon as you put a slide up or a little bit of a video snippet, they get a, they get a kick out of it. and I, So the fun factor is huge. And I think the fun factor really accommodates the buy-in. I mean, everybody needs to buy-in, but I think the fun is such a huge portion of, you know, getting them to, to say, okay, I'm here and this is good and, and I want this to, to do something for us. So you add the play, you want there to be fun. For you
0: as a leader If your team, how would you define your leadership style?
2: You know, I'm a big empowerment guy. I do a lot of communicating by just walking around, you know, a lot of informal communication, a lot of, and I encourage them to talk about a lot of things outside of just the game. You know, I'm really all about what we want to do is we want to empower our people to take over our culture. We always say to them all the time, this is your program. We're just here to kind of help facilitate it. So we want them to take charge of it. We want them to. To feel like they have ownership in it and we feel that makes for stronger accountability and commitment in terms of driving the culture and taking ownership of it so that's what we're all about the communication is always open it's always two ways we take their feedback into account on every decision that we make so i would say that uh, i'm more of a guy that just you know once we develop the culture we have we understand what the culture is we understand what our covenant is what we're going to represent as a team then I'm a guy that just gives the keys to the car to the players and allows them to drive it and then uh once in a while pull them back and see you know where we're at and what's going on but it's really uh it's really a player centered leadership it's really an empowered style of leadership and it's it's really one where it's a lot of open communication
0: yeah and I would say that you know what you're suggesting is exactly probably why our connection between yourself and us is so strong is because our motto is connect, empower, lead. So it's pretty much as you defined it just there, you were were always saying the mission of high five. Where did you learn
2: this? It sort of came together over time. When I became a coach, you sort of think about, you know, what, or first a teacher, you know, what makes a successful teacher? And then later on with my coaching, what makes a successful coach? And I think the biggest thing is you have to be comfortable with your style. And I always thought back to what coaches and teachers had the most impact on me and what they were like and how I was the most motivated through the styles that they employed. And I just found that when I felt like I had a, an opportunity to contribute to a program, you know, or to a classroom where I had an opportunity to take some ownership, uh, have some say in it, I just felt like I was a way more motivated participant. So as a result, when I came to my coaching and my teaching, I just, you know, carried that along. I was most comfortable with that style. And when I wasn't the, you know, the leader or the teacher or the coach, but when I was the participant, I just felt like those situations had the biggest impact on me.
0: You know, I reflect on people that have led me, you, you sort of know those leaders that inspire and those who don't just through some of their actions, the way that they can empower someone. I was reading somewhere or someone was telling me, I can't remember where this is coming from, or maybe I dreamt it, that someone said, If someone defines you as not the coach or not the director, instead refers to you as my coach or my director, that's that word terminology, my versus the, is very indicative of their leadership style. If someone wants to own that you, Jeff Ward, are my coach, then you've obviously empowered me. You've made me feel like I'm valued. If you're just, oh, the head coach, Jeff Ward, there's a disconnect somewhat there. And so I think sometimes that empowerment is I think is reflected in the way that people will receive you. And every time we've spoken to players, they have the utmost respect for you. And I think that comes from the connection that you have with them, the empowerment you give them, that they would refer to you as their coach rather than the
2: coach. Thanks. I I mean, uh, it's obviously high. It's a high compliment. But, you know, the biggest thing with me is I think there's a component that goes with this style where to be effective, you really need to serve the people that you work with, and I, I don't mean that in a negative way, but they need to know that you have their best interests at heart before you know they're going to buy in or they're going to take ownership of the program. So we try to do everything you know with our coaching staff in terms of the delivery of what we want to do, you know, where the players know that we have their best interests at heart first, that we care about them as people, you know, and their families, and we do everything that we possibly can in order to to serve them so that they just have to come to the rink every day and work towards being a better player and being a better team. And we feel like if we can do all those things, uh, then it makes their job an awful lot easier. So I I think there's a component, you know, of service in the style that we employ that that makes the program ultimately a lot more powerful.
1: Yeah, the players, I mean, they're always using the pronoun we. Hmm. I think what we need to do. There's very little I stuff. And that's cheap language, you know what I mean? Because people know what they should say. But when you really hear it coming from them is it, and in here to get in those phone calls, like this is this is what I think we could get better at. This is what I think we could do, do differently. And, and I would agree with Phil with that, that the respect and admiration for the roles that you've been in with them, whether it's assistant or is, is now hit, it just shows so much of the leadership that shows through. You know, it's just as soon as people know you care about them, whatever that old expression is, you know, they, they, believe, they, they care about you.
2: You know, our goal as a staff is never to don't want it to be about us. The more that we can stay in the background, we feel like the more, the more effective we are in terms of what we want to accomplish. So we want to make, make sure that, you know, there's a strong level of humility uh, in how we perform with our program and that we always understand where we came from. And we feel like that's really important in order to keep everyone grounded uh, and everybody working towards the same goals together.
1: We bring somebody up on a challenge course the thing they remember after five days is the thing they really struggled with the easy stuff is is not what's teaching them something it's when it's really challenging and they're trying to figure it out and then the character raises and grows and develops differently
2: yeah and i you know the i think the important aspect for us and all that is that ultimately to win the stanley cup you, you really need to be a battle-tested team you know, the one thing about experience is that you can't buy it, you have to live it. You have to gain it by doing it. And I, I think, you know, those those things and the lessons that we can draw out of all those things as a team, you know, moving along our level, evolution are so, so important because in, when times get a little bit hard, they have a lot of things that they can draw on in their resolve in order to, to rise above what that particular challenge is at that time. So we feel like it's a real important thing when you brought Mannheim to High Five's site, was I had
0: probably been employed maybe two weeks. So it was one of those, like, wow, suddenly I'm working with a professional sports team.
1: Did it- we diet-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was new. It, there was a really wonderful moment. We were all sitting on the top of our hill. The sun was going down and it changed the sky to purple. That just sticks in my brain as being just a very cool moment for me, personally, in my own career. Are there in both yourself and Jim uh, moments that you can think of in the time that you worked with High Five that stick in your brain as
2: very memorable? I remember Mark Reckier, the one year. I mean, he was terrified of heights. And uh, we had Matt Bartkowski, who was just a, a rookie who was trying to break in with our team in Boston. And they obviously got up in the trees. And and Bart had no fear of heights. And Mark Reckie, who was a you know, future Hall of Fame player, and, you know, an established winner in the league for a lot of years was up in the trades with Bart. And I just remember the impact Bart had on him, you know, just helping him through the, through the high elements of the challenge course. And the impact that had on Mark, you know, in terms of making a connection with Bart. And I, I, I really saw after that year when guys would get called up from the minors, how they were welcomed into our dressing room. And I just felt like that was just so, so important. So, you know, it was all kinds of moments like that. Patrice Bergeron, really, you know, we'd come back to uh, wrapping up a session where we got into small groups and we're, you know, having discussions. He was leading the uh, presentation of his group to the rest of the team. And, you know, I remember him just standing up and going, I'm not going to use the exact words he did, but, you know, saying, oh my gosh, this is hard. And for him, that was a real breakout moment. I felt like he was a different leader after that high five experience. He came back, he... He was such a quiet guy in the dressing room before that, even though you could see that he had tremendous leadership. But after that he, he became a much more vocal leader. And I really feel like, you know, the experience that we went through that that training camp together at high five was was key in order for him to sort of break out of his shell and start to become a much more vocal leader, which made him ultimately way more effective. And you see him now on NHL you know, all the time, things that he's saying to the team before games and in between periods, I mean, he's, he's become just such a strong, strong leader over his time. I mean, then there's other moments. I mean, you know, the funnier things, Claude rappelling across the river and disappearing under the water, Thorny's raft falling apart, coming across the pond so that he got wet. I mean, just, we got all those things where the funny things that happen that people remember, The there's so many funny moments over time that you remember.
1: Well, there was that one on recce was interesting. I won't use his words either, but we always talk about comfort zones and pushing comfort zones. That was his quote when he's up there with Bartkowski and he goes, I am so far past my blank comfort zone and he's hanging on to this lock. Dear life, you know what I mean? And, and really that was Patrice's sort of quote in a different way. Just the awkwardness of speaking to the group, just that practice of Writing stuff down, talking in a group, writing it down and then and then portraying, giving it back to the team. It's uh it's good practice. People are very afraid to talk in front of other people.
2: Yeah, and the other thing for for us, I mean, it's really applicable is that, you know, we need to be in, in what we do for a living, you know, in terms of playing professional sports, we need to be comfortable outside of our comfort zone. You know, I always find that point so pertinent, you know, we always challenge the guys and remember Mark Messier saying one time, you know your team is ready to be successful at playoff time when all your players are prepared to play outside their comfort zone. And that always stuck with me. But having opportunities to be outside your comfort zone, like being up in the, in the high elements or presenting to the front of a group, I mean, it prepares those guys to ultimately step outside their comfort zone and what we do on a daily basis. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. We need to be comfortable as a team being outside our comfort zone. And for us, that's really where the real work begins, because if you don't have that, you're probably not competing as hard as you need to in order to, to be successful at our level. So I just feel like that's such a strong carryover, you know, from the experience that we have with you guys in our training camps, uh, you know, in terms of what's going to happen to us down the road. So connecting back to like every time that you've been with us and
0: all of the, the memories that we have, some of that has been a theme that's pretty much gone throughout every single program has been the idea of contended a champion. Explain a little bit about where that comes from and what that means to you, Jeff.
2: Well, I think a team goes through an evolution, you know, over time. And, you know, I, I think you start out really is that you know, we don't often get the luxury of taking over teams that are that are winning teams and we have to start where we do in terms of trying to bring that winning force but you know i I really sort of hearken back to you know we start out really as you know a losing team where we're not you know we're not winning an awful lot and we don't really know what it takes to win and then we gain some experience and we go shoot through some things as a team and we we develop a little bit of skin and we learn some lessons and then we become you know what i would term to be an upstart and an upstart is a team that on any given night can can beat another team they can win But they don't win on a regular basis. And then you learn some more lessons together. You do some more and you get some more success. And then finally, you become a winning team. And what I mean by a winning team is a team that, you know, is above 500. You win more than you lose. And then you understand now that you know how to put losing into perspective. You know you're starting to figure out what it takes to win because you're doing so more than you're losing. And then you transition into what we call a a contending team you have the opportunity to have some success at playoff time but you're you're still on the verge of learning what that's all about and then when you become a true contender then you're trying to morph into a championship team you know and a championship team is understanding exactly what it takes to to win a championship at the end of the day and then if we're lucky we you know we continue to have the same group stay together there's not very much turnover and now you have the opportunity to become a dynasty where you're winning championships on a continual basis year after year or every couple of years. And so we, you know, the teams that I've been with, we've always been to the point coming to you guys where we've been in that stage where we're a contending team, trying to learn how to be a championship team and exactly what that means both to us as a whole group, but also what that means to each individual player. And so that's kind of where the the theme contender to champion grew from. You know, we've been fortunate, and I really think that the, the, the experiences that we've had with you people at High Five has led to championships. I mean, we did it in Boston. We did it in Mannheim. You know, the year that we did it with Jersey, we we were in the playoffs for the first time in a long time after that experience. We just always felt like it's been such an integral part of our program in terms of getting our team together, sharing the same vision, the same mission understanding what we're going to represent as a team, just getting ourselves off on the right foot before the season starts. We just feel like it's been such a huge, huge part of the success that we have on the ice uh, by the end of the season. So that theme has been a real good theme for us. And of course, you know, you don't always make that jump in one season. You know, the one thing about experience is it takes time to, to garner it so that you, you ultimately get to the point where you understand exactly what you have to do to win a championship so with us it's it's kind of come in you know, a one year step a couple of times and with some of the other teams it's been it's been an ongoing process through a couple of seasons but we just feel like it's such a you know it's such a vital part of where we need to go as a group uh that we continue to to have that theme and build on that theme until we achieve that championship status
0: what do you see jeff as being the biggest challenges possibly prevent you from being able to take some of those steps.
2: You know, there's a lot of things that can happen to you during the year, you know, injury certainly is one. You know, that could have a, a big detriment, you know, on your overall success. But, you know, unwillingness of of players to buy in, mm-hmm. you know, potentially is is a hard thing. You know, it's it's one thing for for players to say what they say in training camp, you know, when you're going through all this, but, you know, when you have to have the hard conversations during the year, you know, having them agree with that all the time and understanding that they may have to give themselves a little bit more to the team instead of, you know, worry about their own personal success. That's that can be an obstacle. I think ultimately we talk about having the right people on the bus, you know, in terms of uh, character and integrity and, you know, what kind of a person you are, not having the right people on the bus, you know, and you learn that pretty quickly, that can be a detriment. So there's a lot of factors that can go into it. But ultimately I think if you recruit a talented workforce that are, you know, good people and you have a strong culture. And I think, you know, a lot of those problems will be eliminated before you you get to the hard conversations because everybody has buy-in right from the beginning.
1: They say that a a team of performance in the business world, and somebody collecting this data, one of the big research places, will improve in the business world, which is performance, probably bringing in more income or whatever, you know, from 35 to 37 percent if there's good chemistry and culture within that business unit put out there by the, you know, the pros of the pros, whoever does that kind of study. But I always found that was fascinating that it's, you know, the culture, the chemistry piece versus all the study piece. Everybody's, after the Bruins won the cup that year, and I, you know, you've heard me say many a time, you know, I know we were just a small piece of the puzzle. And I remember Sean Tharton yelled out and made damn right when we said that. <laughs> we're up in Portland on the island there. But that piece of the puzzle becomes like a component that carries some value and weight and it's not deep thing. You know what I mean? But it's it's one of the things.
2: You know, it's interesting. Like, why do people leave organizations? You know, number one, they're not treated with dignity and respect. Number two, they're prevented from making an impact. In other words, they're not happy with their role. Uh, number three, they're not listened to. Number four, they're not rewarded with more responsibility. You know, the fifth reason is pay. I really think, like, if you're an effective communicator and you have a good culture and all the things that we've been talking about, it eliminates the top four reasons. You know, and then people want to be a part of your organization. And I so I, I think really, like, analytics has to be a tool in order for you to do all the things that you want to do with your culture and with the growth of your team, as opposed to, you know, something that takes on a life of its own that dictates what you're going to do with your culture and what you're going to do with, you know, yeah. your communication and your, you know, all those other things that I think are, are way more important. I look at analytics as a more like a way to analyze performance. You know, I don't look at analytics as a way to, or or as a vehicle to run an organization. What leadership advice do you
0: give to people who are interested in coaching or coming up the ranks and becoming new coaches?
2: Well, number one, I'd say be true to your style. I mean, you got to be comfortable in your own skin. Otherwise the players are going to see through it and it's not going to work for you. So number one for me, that would be it. Uh, Number two, I would say uh, plug into the power of your people. I mean, I, I think great things are accomplished when everybody's involved and everybody has a say in an ownership and what's going on. So I would say empower your people and enjoy that, you know, it's such a it's such a powerful tool. And the third thing I'd say is just have fun, you know, and enjoy every step of the way because it's it's such a you know, it's such a rewarding experience to to work with a team you know, or, or an organization that you term to be a team, I always, I always talk about teams because I think teams have such more, it's a much more powerful word than a group. And there just seems to be way more commitment on teams. But, you know, in terms of whether it's a, you know, a business and finance or a professional sports team or, you know, police or whatever it happens to be, if you have a true team, you know, just enjoy the time you have with them because it's such a, it's such a fun thing to be around and such a rewarding experience. It motivates you to get up and go to work during the day. You know when you're when you're involved in a true team and uh, you look forward to being there. You know an awful lot. So that'd be my three things. Probably I would pass on to the young people that want to become coaches or or leaders in their fields for sure. Thank you, Jeff, and thanks for taking
0: the time. You know we've been with each other as as a pair now for almost ten years. So it's been nice to follow you along your journey and and you along with us and. Um, we appreciate the connection because connections are important.
2: Yeah, it's been fun, and I think it's been just so, so instrumental in terms of what you know we ultimately do in our jobs as sports professionals. So I want to thank you guys because you certainly have given us much-needed tools in order to to successfully work through the world that we live on on an everyday basis. So it's, uh, you guys are a real, real important part of what we do.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Thank All
2: you, right. Jeff.